everybody. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I'm Kendra. Thank you to all of you who got back to me last week about my short story and told me that you enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to that episode last week, I did something a little bit different. I read a short story, one that I had written many years ago, about a decade ago at this point. I don't write short stories anymore, but I was kind of at a loss for a topic and decided that I would try doing that. And I really enjoyed it, and it seemed like a lot of you did too. If you did listen to that episode, you'll know that I was feeling discouraged last week because I had been researching agents, and it kind of put me into a funk. Well, the funk has continued, and I'm having some serious doubts about my decision to pursue traditional publication for my novel. The plan has always been I would do that for as long as I was able, and then I would look beyond that to either small press or self-publishing. And I had been hoping that I was strong enough at this point in my life and all the work I've done to get to a place of good mental health management that I would be be able to handle the whole rigmarole around traditional publication. It's a long and very challenging road. And as I've spoken about before, as a highly sensitive person, an HSP who also deals with mental health issues, I it's it's like extra challenging for me, for people like me. And so I've been approach, approaching it with extreme caution and taking my time and having good practices in my life for self-care and management of my mental health. And still, you know, it's 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 never enough, it feels like. And I really have had a mini relapse of my mental health issues this last week or so. And I haven't been able to write my fiction, which almost never happens to me, but I've had genuine writer's block because of this. And that's not acceptable, clearly. I don't want you guys to worry about me. Uh, I, you know, I'm a big girl now and I'm wearing my big girl pants and I can handle this and this too shall pass and all that. But my promise to you, to my listeners, was always to share where I am on my own personal journey. I don't want to hide anything. Uh, I want to be honest about what's going on in my life as it happens. This is how I share my process and my life of trying to live as a creative and trying to develop a creative business and all of the stuff that I talk about and share from week to week. This is sharing my process. But this isn't actually what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about uh, a concept that the philosopher Kierkegaard has written about that's been on my mind. But I have written an essay from my blog this week on the subject of mental health and will be posting it today on my blog at KendraPatterson.com. And it's entitled, When You Don't Have the Privilege of Mental Health. So if you're interested in reading further about my thoughts on this, head on over there and check it out. And I will put a link in my show notes as well for that blog post. I will say this, though. And I think this is something that's very important to understand about people like myself, maybe like some of you who struggle with mental health issues. There's a tremendous amount of grief around being like this. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves when we get into these funks. We're grieving. We're grieving for the lost opportunities. We're grieving for our capacities that we're never going to fulfill because of this. 
believe me, if I had it in me, I would be strong. I would be one of those people who papers my walls with rejections. I believe in my own writing. I believe I have a chance, at least, at traditional publication. I don't believe I deserve it. I don't believe that I'm some, you know, brilliant author, but I believe I have a chance. And if I don't fulfill my potential in that area of at least trying for it, it's because I don't have the privilege of mental health. And there's a lot of loss, a feeling of loss around that. And that's really what I'm struggling with right now in my life. And I want all of you to know out there, if, if you struggle with similar feelings, or if you know people who struggle with mental health issues, that it's a real thing. And it it's effing awful. You know, it, it really sucks. And I deeply sympathize with with you, if you're struggling, or or with the people in your life in your lives who are struggling like this. I get it. And that's why I share this stuff, because I want you to know that I get it. And I want you to know that we can still endeavor, we can still continue on that tomorrow is a new day. And yeah, <laughs> I guess I, I don't really have any any other words of wisdom other than that right now. So let's move on to today's topic. I want to talk about Kierkegaard's Night of Faith versus his Night of Resignation. And this is K-N-I-G-H-T. So like a medieval knight type of figure. And as always, I'm going to be adapting this to my own purposes. So I'm not really going to be talking about Kierkegaard's idea of what these two are. I'm peripherally going to touch on that. But I'm going to, t- I'm going to talk mainly about how I see these two archetypes in my own life and why they're important for me. Ever since I came across the idea of the Knight of Faith in Kierkegaard's works, I've been fascinated by the concept because the Knight of Faith is a figure who believes in the possibility of the impossible. He believes that despite all evidence to the contrary, that he will still get what he desires. And and you can see why this would be an attractive concept for someone who has struggled for years and years to achieve certain dreams that just have never materialized. To continue to believe in your own dreams in the face of continual failure requires a kind of radical faith that verges on the absurd. And, and that, that is exactly what Kierkegaard's concept of the night of faith is about. It's about that absurdity of continuing to believe in the face of evidence that your desires will never materialize in this lifetime. It's important to note that for Kierkegaard, there was always an element of uh, the divine in this, and he was somewhat religious in his philosophies. That part of it is uh, not for me. I'm not a religious person, but I I did want to mention that as part of the original ideas of the Night of Resignation and the Night of Faith. So who is the Night of Resignation? The Night of Resignation is the figure who desires and yet accepts that his desires will never be materialized in this lifetime. He accepts his fate, basically. He, but he's not a cynic. So the Knight of Resignation is someone who, let me see if I can explain this correctly, because it's, it's a rather complex concept. He has these dreams for himself, his desires, and yet he realizes that he's never going to obtain them. And so he resigns himself to that fact, and in so doing, elevates the dreams onto a pedestal where they become impossible 
because of how they've almost been deified, if that makes sense. So the dreams become almost like dreams of dreams. They become mythologized, in other words. So in resigning himself to the impossibility of obtaining his dreams, he pushes the dreams out of the realm of the possible into the truly impossible because he's no longer willing to take steps forward to make the movement of obtaining the dreams. He, he's completely resigned and doesn't take action. The Knight of Faith is the one who does take that action, even in the face of the impossibility. And so that movement that he makes towards his dreams in and of itself, and in, in the radical faith that he shows, that in and of itself brings the dreams into the realm of the possible. It doesn't mean that he's going to obtain the dreams, but it brings them into the realm of the possible. The reason I was thinking about this this week in particular is because I've been feeling very resigned <laughs> to my fate of, of continued failure on my path to publication. And I've been contemplating giving up my dream, basically, right? Maybe it's just not meant to happen. Maybe I am, am really meant to self-publish. These are the kinds of things that I've been thinking, that have been running through my mind. You'll notice that when you're resigned like that, when you enter this place of resignation, notice how the language around how you conceptualize your dreams can change like that. It can change to, it's all out of my control. Maybe my fate is to not do this, to, to not have my dream realized. Maybe my fate is to decide I'm going to do this thing instead of that thing. There's a feeling of true helplessness that's integral to resignation. When you're a knight of faith and when you're operating from that place of wanting to take that step forward to make that movement, knowing that it may not lead to your dreams being realized. In fact, knowing it probably even won't. Because again, this is, this is a movement towards something that feels like the impossible, the impossible dream. When you're doing that, that helplessness, that feeling goes away. You feel like you're at least doing something, right? And this is why we always hear that message in our culture that th the only failure is a failure to stop trying. Now, I want to be clear that I do think that sometimes quitting is the right thing to do. And that's a subject for another podcast, I think. When do you know when it's time to quit? But I will say this. I don't think that the time to quit is when you're in a state of resignation, in a state of helplessness about your ability to effectively act in the world. I think that this is the point that Kierkegaard was trying to make, that if you become a knight of resignation, all is truly lost. When you act as a knight of faith, you may not obtain your dreams, but what you what you claim as yourself, which is the only thing you really can claim, the only thing you really can have effective action around, really, is yourself and your own actions, your own steps forward in life. So the way that I like to see this, this concept of the knight of faith, is the act of choosing yourself and being that advocate for yourself that you wish the world would be, or that you wish God would be, or the universe, or, or whatever your particular belief system is, that that wish that we have to be chosen, right? That being a knight of faith is, is 
choosing yourself. And again, this is my own personal interpretation of the Knight of Faith, uh, not so much based on on Kierkegaard, who really saw God as playing a role in this. So he he bases his Knight of Faith on the story of Abraham, who is asked by God to sacrifice his own son. And Abraham is the Knight of Faith who believes that despite the fact that he's about to do this horrific deed, that somehow it's going to be fine. Somehow he's going to keep his son. And in fact, he does end up being able to do that. For me, the Knight of Faith is about choosing yourself again and again, and dragging that one foot forward. <laughs> Many of you know that I am a big fan of tarot. I don't use it for divinatory purposes, and I don't believe in that. But I do believe that tarot as a form of almost like sequential art and storytelling can be used as a psychological and intuitive tool to help us tap into basically our our own intuitive natures and ourselves and and help us gain clarity through contemplating different perspectives of our own realities. And I have a private tarot podcast. If you're interested, I I put out an episode every Sunday, uh, link in the show notes for that. But I actually named my podcast Stepping Off Now after the Fool card in the tarot. And the the Fool is the figure who's kind of uh, stepping off the edge of a cliff at the start of a new adventure. And he has this kind of naive faith in everything working out. So he he's almost like youthful in his faith, that, that faith of youth, that big things are ahead, big exciting things and wonderful things are going to happen in life. So this is a little bit different from the Knight of Faith in that the Knight of Faith has kind of gone through it already and yet still believes, right? So he's he's gone through the struggles. He is the fool who has stepped off the cliff, maybe had a number of crash landings, and yet still believes that the next time he steps off that cliff, uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna be caught. Uh, sort of like uh, Indiana Jones in in uh, I think it's the Last Crusade where he steps off the cliff and finds himself standing on this invisible bridge. Or as a friend of mine put it yesterday, I, I had a chat with a, another writer friend on my walk, and I came across him in the park. He's another person who has. Uh, ended up self-publishing after experiencing rejections and this kind of thing. And as he put it, you know, you you dive into that pool with no water, hoping that, or believing rather, that there's going to be water in it. (laughs) I mean, that's a night of faith. But anyway, my point in bringing up tarot is that recently, and this might have even been last Sunday, I drew the Two of Swords And the interesting thing about the Two of Swords card is it shows a figure who's holding aloft two swords kind of crossed in front of her, and she has a blindfold on. And this card is one of the most striking images, in my opinion, in the tarot deck. And I've always been drawn to this card, but the meaning of it is a little bit difficult. It's about having two choices in front of you and really not knowing which is the best one, like like having no way of knowing which one you should pick, which is symbolized by the blindfold, right? And these two swords that are being held crossed like that. And whenever I've contemplated this image, I've always felt that there's a strength in this character that's holding the swords, that she's nonetheless ready. She's ready for what's coming for her, even though she has this blindfold on, and even though she's not clear at all about which direction to take. 
And what I got out of this particular reading was that sometimes you have to move forward, even though you, it's like you have two paths ahead of you, and you have to move forward and and you just don't know which path to take, which direction to step in, but you have to take a step forward. And this to me is my genuine confusion about whether or not I should continue on the path to pursuing traditional publication or if I should just be like, screw it and delve into self-publishing or maybe indie press. And when you're in that kind of position and, and you just don't know which direction to take, but you know that you have to take a step forward, what do you do? What do you do when you, you can't make a decision and so you, you really don't want to step forward on either one of those paths? What you do is you make your movement. You don't think about this path or that path, and you don't intentionally try to do one path or the other path. You just do the next right thing, whatever that thing is whatever that small thing is that you can do. And it could be that eventually you'll have clarity and you'll see that you're on a whole new path. It's not the one or the other. It's your own path, basically. And maybe it resembles one or the other of those paths, but mostly it's just your own path. And that becomes the dream that you realize. So when I think about being a knight of faith in myself, I don't really think about it as a way to achieve dreams or specific dreams, that is to say. I think about it as a way to continue to move forward in life when things seem hopeless. So when you find yourself in that place of resignation and hopelessness, try to think about the night of faith as the antidote to that situation, that the answer is not to give up, to resign yourself to your fate and to push your dreams into the realm of true impossibility. That it's okay to quit, it's okay to decide that your dreams have changed, but if you make that decision from a place of resignation, you'll forever be dissatisfied. So try to turn into that night of faith first, make your movement, make that step forward. Again, even if you feel that you have that blindfold on and you really can't tell what the right choice is, it doesn't matter. It, it, it Maybe there is no right choice, you just have to take that one step forward. You just have to make that one movement. And maybe that movement is is not a literal movement forward. Maybe that movement is just to decide that you're still going to believe, at the very least in yourself, right? And that that faith, that radical faith, the, the, that absurd faith is what you have to give today, that somehow it's going to be fine and that you'll continue to try in one way or another, that you'll continue to choose yourself in whatever way that manifests. And that's what I'm doing today with (laughs) putting this podcast episode out. Honestly, I feel better already. I may not be in a place where I'm, I'm able to do my fiction right now, but at least I can still continue with my other creative endeavors. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to have you as my listeners. And I want to thank you for spending this time with me. If you'd like to support my work, please consider telling other people about this podcast. If you think they might be interested or need to hear what I have to say, that's the biggest thing you can do to support me. And of course, there are other more direct ways to support me monetarily and otherwise through the links in my show notes. So check those out. I'll see you next Friday. Bye.